0: I like to think of it as like the soap bar. <laughs> it is. <laughs> turn around and squeeze, and then you push it up, and it's really heavy, and you're dramatic, and your life is over, and everything is terrible.
1: It's great. <laughs> Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Media. Listening to season two, episode seven, Surrendering Expectation, featuring fellow lightworker and wicked and frozen standout, Alicia Albright. All right. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. I'm Jimmy. Um, I hope you're well. I'm so glad that you're joining us today. We have a guest today who I woke up today so excited. I was like, oh, I get to talk with her and just soak up like one iota of her um Way her brain works. We're in for a real treat today. So before I introduce her, um, like usual, we started something new with season two, where I, I just answer a question that's that's thrown my way about mediumship, and then I ask um, our our special guest a question too. So the question that I got, let me see, I have it written down. I had written down, is there a uh, is there a proper way? To train, or is there a proper way to channel energy? So this was coming from somebody uh, earlier in the email. They'd expressed that they had interest in learning how to to do this, how to like medium. I know that's not a verb, but um, the answer is the answer is yes. So for me, um, I break it down into three steps. So and I don't vary from it. Even now, after almost ten years, I stick to it because it it works for me, and I, I know that it's. It's the way to go. So for me, I call it ground, protect, and then connect. So for me, I always visualize: you know, we're human, we're of the earth. So in my meditation, if I can get out and walk bare feet somewhere first, that's lovely. Most of the time I don't have that luxury. So I'll just walk around barefoot in the studio. But if I meditate, I do want to make sure that my feet are touching the ground. That way I can just feel. Connected because I visualize during my meditation that the light comes like straight down and then right back up. So for me, that's step one. I ground, I visualize little vines coming up and grabbing my feet and then kind of rooting me to the earth. Step two is I, uh, excuse me, I protect. So I call down white light energy, is what I call it. I invite in only the highest and best. I'm still not seeing them yet. I kind of visualize that I've got like a little manhole above me. Um, I always think of the one from Hocus Pocus where the guy pops his head out in the bus. But anyway, um, whatever works for, for you, visualization. Once I know that I'm connected and I can feel that earth energy coming up through me and then the white light going through me, I I, I I see it. Then I go, okay, I guess I'm ready to move the manhole from left to right. And then I see it. I visualize it sliding open and then I'm ready. And then in terms of the process of how I connect, I think the biggest thing we have to do and I remember our guest today, we were, we were talking, she said something really interesting to me before about letting go of expectation because it's when we have the expectation part that we can, ego can get in the way, we can get disappointed. So rather, let's just go the deductive way. Let's just go, I opened it, who's here? Rather than going, I think this person's here or just tell me what you got is what the best recommendation I could give for you. If you're if you're a medium that is training or practicing, just what are you getting And if it's wrong, just keep listening in and just go, okay, um, I'm going to give you a couple more details. Does this make sense? You know, there's, I always say there's no shame in being wrong about something. So many mediums are afraid to own up that they're incorrect on something and they'll try to pawn it off on you going, oh, well, you misunderstood me. No, own it. Move on. Cause I always say like ego, um, I, I abbreviate is edging God out is what I call it. So when we let our ego get in the way, the yucky stuff starts to happen. So that's my advice. So ground, protect, connect. Okay. So I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. So we have this uh, it's just incredible human being, light work. I'm gonna call her light worker because what she does is light working. Um, gosh, Broadway credits, Wicked. Frozen the 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 tours of of wicked as well um a chorus line Cassie Jesus Christ superstar um feed your soul project there's so many things that we're going to talk about but please help me in welcoming the incredible incredible Alicia Albright to our episode today <laughs> hi it's
0: so great to be
1: here. <laughs> I, i'm I'm so excited, like literally just to like see you nodding when I was answering some of the stuff, I'm like, oh, another one, another person gets it, another, it's. Mm." You
0: just dropped so many knowledge bombs, listeners, I hope you really got that because I feel like what you just said applies to everything, and there's, um, I'm just going to dive in. You go, do it. There is a a statement that I love that's exactly the same that comes from yoga philosophy, because I'm a yogi as well is, I surrender my attachment to the outcome of a situation. I'll say it again for those listening. I surrender my attachment to the outcome of a situation. And how I think of that is that same thing. You open up, you show up open-hearted, you share of your gifts, whatever those gifts are. If they're mediumship, if they're being a person in theater that's being a vessel to share a story and share a light, and then you let go. Of what come of what happens, and you trust and have faith, because that's all we can do is show up open-hearted, be a channel of of anything, of communication, of a story, of a uh, listening in a conversation, and then we never know what's gonna happen. So you just let go of attaching to wanting to be good, wanting to do the like wanting the applause, wanting um, to to see the hear the relative that they're wanting. And then it blocks the blessing. So I relate so much to all the truth bombs you were just saying. I was like, "Work."
1: (laughs) Well, it's—I mean, truly, I mean, the applause thing—it's—it's funny. Like my first couple years is developing, and every so often, still, I think it's human to be in any line of work if you're performing. You, of course, you want to hear applause because it's the way we're trained. Is like it's the external. Um, extrinsic, like the gold star of, Hey, we're with you. Then I think of like UK audiences in theater and how they're really not that enthusiastic until the bows. Like there, they view it as more of like a respectful, but with mediumship, it's really this idea of, of course I want to know, like, you know, and and I think back to these episodes of long Island medium, the ones that people love the most are where the guests are sobbing where they're like, Oh my God. And there's going to be moments where I always say like, Whereas a medium, you might deliver a reading where you're not going to get that external validation of somebody crying, of somebody going, Oh my God, this was the best experience I've ever had in my life, but it doesn't mean that it it wasn't impactful. You know, so you have to surrender. You have to just go, okay, like you just said like I said, I watched this video of you and you talked about did I show up and give the best I could in that moment. And it was just the end of it. Like I was, I was doing some stuff last night, multitasking. And I heard what you said, and I was like, in that moment, and I'm like, oh, so oh my god, we have so much to talk about. So, um, I guess first and foremost, so what have you been up to since, since, since the pandemic? Because frozen, like we were saying, frozen shut down unexpectedly in, in May of 2020. So, how are you keeping busy and creative?
0: It's been a mix of a lot of different things. Um, I was lucky enough and I'm, I'm talking to you now from Hawaii, where my family lives and my parents live. And I was lucky enough in the beginning of the pandemic to be here on vacation from Frozen so randomly. And, and I was actually on the big island. My parents live on Oahu, um, with my fiance and we had one day with no service. And that was the day that everything shut down <laughs> and we came back and we are like, ah, oh, but we stayed for three months. and it's. It was a big, huge gift because my dad has Parkinson's and dementia and is slowly now more fast declining. So it was a really big gift. And then I've left and come back numerous times and now I'm here again to help because he's gotten worse. So I've spent a lot of my time with family in Hawaii and Hawaii is one of the most healing places in the world for me. I've, I've also focused on a lot of healing for myself and for others, for my family and collectively for the world. And so I have started to create through Feed Your Soul Project, which is a company or not even a company yet, but a project I've been working on for many, many years of just basically how do we create practices that help us to share our light with the world. And I know that, so during this time, I had more pain and anger and a lot of feelings that I had never also had the space to have to face and the lack of things to do to have to face that I've worked through them and so for me it was finding techniques to help me remember who I am beyond all those feelings and accept all those sides of myself that are uncomfortable and that they're okay and so then whenever I find new techniques that help me all I want to do is share them so I've started classes where I kind of don't know what to call it yet it's kind of like a self-care class a self-love class that shares things from meditation movement practices whether it's yoga or qigong or dance journaling breath work emotional freedom technique tapping reiki healing i've become an advanced reiki practitioner during this time i've studied it more yoga and i've gone into a lot of different teachers that that bring spirituality and psychotherapy mental health together so i've been studying with a lot of different people in that vein if just I feel like people have different ways that they can help in this time and I feel like I just want to create spaces where people feel safe to explore who they are and that, that so they can go then and share their light with the world in whatever way that is
1: with future soul project and and with with breath work and how is it structured for those that that take this I guess that or that that participate is it a drop-in or is it like a we're going to stay with this for x amount of weeks
0: Right now, it's just been drop-in, and it's just been when I can do it. Right now, I'm pausing a little bit, focusing on family healing. Sure. But it's just something I've offered really for free and um, or for whatever anyone could offer. That, And the structure of the class itself is it really always kind of starts with grounding, like you. Like breath work, grounding, to just be where we are. And in a way, somatically, using our breath to come inside yourself and creating a relationship with how sensations and feelings and emotions can come up as sensations in the body. And the more awareness we create for those things, just the more we learn about ourselves and the more we can help heal because sometimes we can get caught up in the moment and all we know is my stomach is tightening. So when I know my stomach is tightening, that tends to happen when I'm angry or stressed or whatever. So there's different and i've learned there's many different i'll go through different breath work depending on the day or the theme of that there's a lot that breathwork goes into your parasympathetic nervous system and calms you down so the beautiful thing about breath work is it's so simple and it does the work for you it goes inside your systems and calms you down and is like creating a space for yourself and then we'll normally go into meditation either right away or a journaling prompt And then recently I've learned more Qigong, which is intentional movement, it's moving through, and I'm obsessed with it, and emotional freedom technique, which is tapping, where you tap on different acupressure points. So they, they mix tapping, and when you tap on these points around your face, it sends a message to your amygdala, which is the fight or flight part of your brain, and tells it to calm down. So the simple act of tapping these points is telling your brain to calm down, Then we combine it with psychotherapy. And you, uh, what I love about it, it's helping me create a relationship with my shadow side. So you, as you're tapping, you literally allow yourself to say exactly how you feel. Like, I am so pissed off right now that I could scream. And that's okay. And, And amidst all those feelings and this tightness in my belly, I can breathe. And I can relax my body and I can deeply love and accept myself. Makes me want to cry in the moment because it's helping you give space to all the feelings we have to know it's okay and I can still love myself through all my feelings. And because you're combining these powerful ways you really feel with tapping points that calm you down, it helps, it's like magic, like it (gasps) seems crazy. And every time I do, I feel better and um, So whenever I learn something, I kind of find different ways to pattern it in. Sometimes I'll do Qigong and tap in the middle. And then sometimes we'll go into yoga or restorative yoga or a dance movement phrase. And I often will, you've done this with me before when we first met, which we just realized. (laughs) I'll I'll do a piece with sign language to describe how we communicate non-verbally through an actual way of communication, but also we just do that all the time. And then we set intentions through our body. And I think it's a powerful practice because you can set an intention. There's studies that show in your brain, if you set an intention in your thoughts, in your words, and in your hands specifically, but in your whole body, um, it has a bigger impact on your brain.
1: How much room is there to like, do things like this in a rehearsal? Because in my brain, I think of like something that is going lightning fast, really rapid like we don't have time for games we don't have time for breath work we're just going to dive into the work like is it that way have you found or
0: there's there is no time really uh, especially in originating a new show that's going to broadway um no time which is why having your own practice of these things is so important i want to also go back to things you were just saying yeah so we get our mind straight because as actors, as really anyone, but actors like you said who are putting on personas. If you haven't handled your own persona, then you're putting on another persona, and meanwhile you're stri- you're just striving for someone to tell you you're good enough amidst both personas. You're wanting yourself to be good enough, and you're wanting this character to be good enough, and you're all you're wanting is something validation outside yourself, and even which sometimes comes and then sometimes doesn't. When we base so much of it off that, off of a callback, off of even when you get the gig, you think it's going to answer, you think it's going to heal that hole, but it doesn't. Because then you're still needing it in that room where they don't have time to make you feel better in a way. They don't have time to go woo-woo unless you are like some star. And um, and so I noticed that, that there's like, it's almost like we're broken and tr- thinking this will put us back together instead of doing the work from, instead of, I like to think of it, instead of going from the outside in, reaching for the work outside, for someone to tell me I'm good enough, for someone to tell me I lo- they love me, for someone to tell me all those things I want to hear, it's an inside job. It's a, and for me, there. and to go back to meditation being so many things, there are so many different types of breathwork and meditation, but at its core, it's the same thing. At its core, it's a practice that helps you. Uh, I think the easiest way for me to describe it is the sun is always shining. Always, no matter how rainy it is, how cloudy, even at night, it's shining, shining on the other side of the world. This, your soul never doesn't shine, but like the clouds that cover it up, like the night, like are all the stories we tell ourselves, are all these veils that, as human beings, were made this way, that we cover up who we really are at our core. Deep, 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 deep beneath the layers is this pure beautiful essence in every single human. And meditation is a practice of releasing what covers who we really are. It can be said in a million different ways. Rage of vibration, low vibration, blah, 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 blah. but at its core, it's the same thing. It's in breath work as well. And there can be breath work that invigorates you and there can be breath work that calms you down. Um, so it's important to know which one you're doing, but all those things at its core, is to reveal the true nature of who we are inside. I like to call it a remembrance practice because as human beings, we forget the divinity inside of us, the beauty inside of us. Like, like and I mean that in a really sincere way that, but but we forget because of trauma, of scars, of emotional scars, and not feeling good enough. And we compile that. And, comp- and then like you said, we write like a badge of honor. Like I'm, I'm strong instead of like, I'm hurting and that's okay. So these practices, me and and especially you get into a room and you know and and then you're like oh my gosh like for me I'd never originated a Broadway show I'd been in a Broadway show for a really long time that had existed for a really and I was in three versions of wicked I was on tour I was I started in the Chicago company then I was, originated the tour but I originated a tour of a show that had already been existing and then I joined the Broadway company and so in the very beginning of that I was a dance captain so I was a person of authority not knowing the show and suddenly holding rehearsals it felt like a bad game of telephone like i think this is the information i'm supposed to give you so i'm gonna act like i know what i'm doing so in a new show and one that you know exists from a movie but we're recreating it and and it's just like fast forward everyone is is scrambling in a way what i felt with frozen is they knew it was such a big hit so they were like this is gonna be the biggest hit ever so a that's pressure and there's so many cooks in the kitchen. They're rewriting songs constantly. They would, te- it was amazing. It was the coolest thing to be a part of. They would teach us songs where they hadn't written the sheet music yet. So we would just stand around the piano and then they'd be like, no, 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 change the words to this and this. And you're like, what? And I'm a swing. So I'm trying to learn all the parts at the same time. We would churn and burn a huge dance number of 30 people. We would learn the whole number, come in the next day and start over again, if it didn't work. And they were just, the team was incredible at churning and burning creative material and it was our job to be vessels to show them the vision but not it it not be perfect yet because they just needed to see if it worked and so they didn't have time to really it's not their job to care about our sensitive feelings they're putting up a show and they're having all the stress from Disney from the direct you know all these stressors the producers coming in and saying we didn't like that number that wasn't funny enough we don't hear those things we just know we're showing up and we're we're trying to you know and at 10 a.m on the dot they ran the number so i covered 10 people and if one of those people was stuck on the train they were like at you're on with 30 seconds notice when no one even knows what they're doing and we just learned the whole number yesterday and we're running it and so it's like good luck <laughs> no one can even help you you can't even ask like Oh, where does Nina stand? Because no one knows because they don't even know what they're doing. (laughs) So it was so incredible. It was so stressful. And I know I got so stressed. My tongue tasted weird for like three weeks, which is this anxiety and stress reaction. And because it's a swing, it's so there's so many stressors for I mean, it could be like mental health care for every aspect. Directors and choreographers deal with a whole level of stress that we have no idea about. Their associates have a whole level of stress. People in the show themselves, the lead actors, the ensemble, and then the swings and the understudies who are just trying to absorb everything, and at the same time, everyone just wants to know they're good enough. Bingo. And so, and it's, and the minute I would see people get moved to the back of a formation and sob in the corner, thinking they weren't good enough because they got put in the back, and, or they weren't featured, or they were waving, and they weren't in the dance break, and... I would just see their faces fall and some people, sadly, I would see them lose their integrity because they would be in the back of the formation. So they'd mess around later when we were running. Mm-hmm. And I realized because you're an observer as a swing when you're not doing it. And so it's almost like I'm observing all the things, including like their hearts. Yes. And I would realize those people forgot that they mattered. It doesn't matter where you stand in the formation. It doesn't matter if you're the principal character. It doesn't matter. You're light and and it makes a difference. I know I make a difference even when I'm not on stage. I make a difference in the building, by how I share my heart with every single person. I miss them so much that I would come to, into contact with. I was friends with the front of house staff and the merchandise and then the doorman and then all the dressers and all the hair people. And I just love them. and I sometimes when i wasn't on football i would i would be like i'm just gonna go share light. i'm gonna go bring sunshine to the building and i would just go and chat with people and know that they're seen Mm -hmm. you know and they're enough and they're important and they're valued the porters that everybody and i just saw that those people forgot that they mattered and they because even if someone else didn't think they were good enough it doesn't matter what those people think it matters what you think and it's not a way of like I'm, you know, screw you. And that's one way to do it. But ultimately, it's knowing at your core, I can grow and I can get better and I can learn. So it's this like fine line of like, like I understudied a part that they weren't putting me on for for a while. And I'd had a bad experience at Wicked where they had told me I understudied Nessa Rose. And at one point, they were like, you're so amazing. You should play the role. And then I'd had a rehearsal they didn't like, and they threatened to take it away from me. It was a roller coaster. So I had this PTSD of like, if they're not putting me on, I must, I must be terrible. Cause I know I tell myself I'm not good enough. I know all this stuff cause I do it to myself. I was like, I'm not good enough to play this part. Who, why'd they give this to me? I'm gonna get fired. I was telling myself those things when I would be on stage and, I, and then they wouldn't put me on so much. And I finally learned to advocate for myself. And without anger, I just said, is there something I need to learn? Is there something I'm doing wrong? Um, is there a reason this is happening? I just wanted to be in communication because I know I can. Uh, the truth is better than what I make up in my head. And they communicated with me, and then they and then they changed, and then it. We ended up playing it equally, and they gave me all, and then they really worked with me, and and then it was amazing. And I would have told myself all these stories that weren't true at all if I hadn't been in communication with stage management, and I hadn't been willing, open heartedly, to go. I just want to know because I love playing this part and I want to do it to the best of my ability. And if there's something I need to work on, I'd rather you work with me on it. And then they felt open and not attacked to to be in communication. So I just, I went off on a whole thing, but- No,
1: that's okay, it's beautiful.
0: I think it's important because there's no time, there's just so many things that every single department is dealing with and there's never time unless there's one company i've worked with that they start ever transcendence theater company they start their rehearsal days with 30 minutes of the call of an alignment and different people would guide it whether it's yoga meditation essential oils anything you wanted to offer that grounded and connected and that was a life-changing experience because that's what i feel like we want we want that moment of connection like you did like a meditation is something and that company changed my life because they offered the things I was already practicing, but they offered it. So it's important because in, I felt like the higher and higher up I got and jobs I got, there was less time and support for those types of things. Maybe going forward. Now, that would be a beautiful thing to, to shift the Broadway community and the theater community because theater community is much more than Broadway oh, I know. and, and to advocate for those types of things. But I think that people, If you can create your own practices before you go in the room then you show up differently if you take that sacred time and if it's even getting to the rehearsal room 30 minutes early and finding a corner and doing some work for yourself breathing meditation even in the toilet stall like toilet stall you know what i mean yeah so you create that safe space and that grounded quality for yourself then you go out into that world it's like this beautiful protective bubble like you talked about over you amidst any energy coming at you it makes a big difference
1: it's it's you bring up such a great point and it's interesting with Nessa Rose because talk about a character that would lend itself to that vulnerability of like why why are these things not happening for me am I not good enough you know I mean but that's a whole nother question I she's one of my favorite characters I love watching her arc in that show and I've always wanted to know why is she the only one that doesn't get a wig this is random, but like spirituality aside, why isn't she wigged?
0: There's a story. It's something like, as I always felt weird because I'm blonde, and so they're normally so I, her, I was like, please give me a wig, because also in popular when she goes blonde, it doesn't land as funny because your sister's blonde. Like, Bingo. Um, but and I my hair my own hair on stage isn't as enjoyable as a wig, so I'm always like I was like please give me a wig. Cause they would they would. They would torture me and they'd be like, curl your hair. And then I, by the time the show started, my hair looked like straight. I was like, (laughs) but the the director, Joe Montel, she had a wig in the beginning and somehow he got it in his mind that he didn't like the look of the wig. And it was just a choice that was made once upon a time that he said, no more wigs for Nessa Rose. And then it stuck. And then no matter what their hair color was, we never had wigs anymore. And um, just for that character. And it, it came from whatever, I don't. I don't wasn't there when the initial decision happened, but I know it was that the director came in and didn't like the look of the wig on her, on this particular actress. And then it became like a wicked worldwide rule that, that, that character doesn't wear a wig. Yeah. So there's, there is a definite reason.
1: I remember the old press shots of Nessa Rose looking like very much like a drag queen. She had like the really curly wig with like the red feather boa part. And I'm like, you know, to see it evolve into this simplistic black with like the kind of the poofy, um, you know, the, the, the poofy sleeves and stuff. And, but um... I
0: love her. now it's so funny, it's been so long since I played her. But for me, it was the first time they'd give I played a role on Broadway. And I never thought that would happen for me because I was always a dance captain swing, but I really wanted to play roles. And um, and it was such a gift. And later in Frozen, I got to play Bulda for a good like six months. I shared the role with someone and um, and I was the queen as well. And and with Bolda, I'd never had that long a period of time to really craft a character sure and make it my own and at frozen they really let us the three of the people who understood it, her we and the girl played it we were all so different and they allowed us to be that sometimes at wicked they try to put you in what they know works yeah. and not allowing the people to grow as much but and i don't know if that's it makes sense for long-running shows it just happens naturally and in a new show they were allowing us to find it but with nessa rose i think even now what I know now about my own psyche and human psyche of like her being this person that is so vulnerable, but also, you know, there's moments when we snap, you know, everyone's done it and we witness hers and it comes from deep hurt of not being good enough and not getting the love that you want more than anything. And that's also layered upon like familial stuff. And, you know, so she's a fascinating character. And I, I was really, and for me at the time, now I'm more connected to that side of me, but then everyone just thought I was always happy all the time. So I think they were kind of shocked that I played her. And for me, it was so fun.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, a couple things that we, I, You know, you see all these like TikTok challenges. I want to start that like it was alphabet challenge. So, like, literally, I make the joke with my husband every time I'm rolling out the trash and it's heavy as hell. Um, and I feel like because you know exactly what I'm talking about when she goes, It was alphabet, Buck. It was alphabet. And then she like, You see the gravity of it. Like, literally, I feel like a Broadway Nessa Rose when I'm wheeling the garbage out to the curb, like in dirty ass sweatpants. I'm like, It was alphabet with like the hand.
0: And of her pushing the, um, the wheelchair That's off? Because that wheelchair, she's heavy. And the funny thing is on Broadway, Inside Scoop. So on Broadway, <laughs> it's a raked stage. Yes. And um, so you have to have all these things for the wheelchairs. You have to have locks in place so it doesn't slide down the stage. So that big fancy wheelchair in Act 2 in Governor's Mansion, you have to, if I remember it, you, you have to really squeeze the top and then it, because it's always locked. So it doesn't roll. So then you're also like, it was so <laughs> fun, and then it's like, da, 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 da. and it goes, and then you're like, I like to think of it as like the soap opera. Da, 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 it is. And squeeze, and then you push it off and it's really heavy,
1: and you're dramatic, and your life is over, and everything is terrible. It's great. <laughs> she, I, I always think of, like, you brought up such a great point about her, too, about these characters that are, we all snap at some point. And so, we're, A, we're going to start that, the Nesseros You haven't ours.
0: yet, you will someday. <laughs> it,
1: right? You have that to look forward to. Um, I know, I, I always say sometimes when I bring souls through, I there's the folks that I, I like. Vanessa Rose's, so to speak, where we remember them as, I think, while they were here in the physicals, like the villain of the piece, or so to speak, and that's what that's the beauty of mediumship, is that we're then being able to channel their side of the story and going like, okay, they might have been X, Y, and Z at face value, but if you knew what they were combating at the time or like if we or sometimes we know and we just don't care but i'm like no we really have to go like this is what they were that what was stacked up against them and there's moments
0: in our reading how so uh, so my grandmother who was passed on on my mom's side ha, i think she dealt with depression and maybe bipolarism but we, never diagnosed and my mom doesn't actually really talk about her very much. I had a relationship with her, she's passed on now, but she was always the type, very sweet to the grandchildren. And, but there's a lot of pain and stories from my mom's sisters and that I never really understood. And so when she came up in our reading, you know, I finally had, had said, I was like, I don't really know her. I don't really know a lot about her because of this stuff. And and you brought up some, some a thing about a shoe, which, was like an amazing thing because I forgot about that. Of, of pain, abuse with the shoe and um, but you had opened up that her story of perhaps dealing with postpartum depression, and not understanding and my grandfather being so busy, and her having all these feelings she didn't understand and if you can imagine back then what's the 50s and you know, like, to have all these children to, to have mental health things that you don't understand, you don't talk to anyone, you don't talk to your husband about it, you don't have a therapist, they don't talk about it. And so then it just implodes and gets worse and you take it out on your children. Not that it's okay, but it, it, for me it was just my, it all made sense and it made me have more compassion for the human being that she was, that had a lot of things stacked against her that she didn't understand. And it's that exactly what you said, that opening of her story of like, I feel so much compassion and I wish she had had someone, because I know like, I feel so blessed to have tools when I feel that way in a world that makes mental health more normalized. And I have a partner who just looks at me and knows what I'm feeling. And he's like a safe haven of like, it makes me want to cry thinking about him. He's just... I can say anything. And he's like, I love you. It's okay. And it feels so healing to have a partner that I can tell everything to and know that I'm still safe and accepted and I'm not crazy. So if I didn't have all that, I would go crazy. You know what I mean? So it just makes me feel for her. And you're right. Every Every person has a story. Every family member we've had, every person in the world, every... And in in my tradition, what I've learned is they also say those are our biggest teachers. You know, like the people who trigger us, the people who in our families who challenge us are our biggest teachers about our own journey.
1: In a couple of weeks, I have um, I'm taking a, a vacation, and it's not that. No, don't get me wrong. Like when I'm in the thick of a reading, like I'm not thinking about anything. Like I blink and the reading's done. Like that's how much I love. What I do, but it also doesn't mean that it's not draining. That's what's that's always something that's resonated with me about the performer's life is that, let's say, even there if there's a day where you don't have a clean up and there's no rehearsal and you just go and do the show, you might only get through those three hours, you know, from start to finish, and you're like, I'm whooped. Like where I can get through my office day, eight hours, and be like, now I'm tired. I can get through two hours of readings and be like. It feels like eight hours, and so it, and while while I'm one hundred percent present in it, and I, I try to be, I should say, we drain down more quickly. Um, and I, I I also think it's interesting because as there is a real pitfall in mediumship of because we are going, come on in. I want to I want you to feel seen, safe, protected, and I want to allow them to offer insight into your issues. There comes a, a real moment in time where if we're doing that too much, we neglect our own self-care. And you know, you get it. And so for me, I was like, like, uh, what, two months ago, I I I um had a really busy month and I didn't think anything of it. I was like, I can keep up with this pace. And the readings were lovely. They were, and I was really proud of myself, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't exhausted. So when break came up, I was like, I told my husband, I was like, do you mind if I go away for a night? I'm going to go hike. I'm going to go up to the mountains and recharge my battery. And he was like, go for it, babe. He's like, you know, like, and I came back and I was like, oh, it just took a little. That's one of the things I do to recharge. And like the other thing is, I, this one gets me emotional sometimes. I have a photo of myself as a kid that I keep as a favorite on my phone. And when I'm having a rough day, I pull up the picture of like the young version of me that's like six or seven and I go, would you talk to him that way? Is what, and, or I'm like, if this was a student of yours, would you talk to them that way? And-
0: Goodness, that gives me so many thoughts. My teacher, my teacher's 82 and still teaches and she's brilliant. And she's a yogi meditation teacher, yoga teacher, has her own yoga studio called the World Yoga Center and studied in India, is also a psychotherapist. She's amazing. Yeah. They say, if you have a puja or a sacred area in your house with things, um, for my fiance and I, we have, we have a whole section of crystals and relics and family stuff. And they say, put a picture of your young self. So I have a picture of baby me and a picture of baby him. To honor that person, and where you can see it every day, so that you're honoring that child inside, that that innocence, that is still within you, but we forget. But it's a beautiful practice. I love that you do that, that you actually put it out. So I encourage you to put it out somewhere, so that that you remember more often that 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 you that's still there, you know. And it does. And the other stuff made me think of. I feel like. The more you're doing something you really love it's almost like the fire is burning hotter so it's more exhausting you know so people who are doing energy people who, even actors who are sharing their light, that's in a way it's sharing energy it's
1: energy work you
0: know healers mediums you're a healer you know people doing energy work people doing massage people doing teaching yoga and meditation like it's it is draining because you're giving so much and if you're not protecting yourself it's gonna seep from you and and i think every human and i was thinking about this because i paused my teaching for a while because i finally was like what was calling to me was deep healing deep healing recharging is the most important thing because you can't share of whatever gift it is you have and unless you're fully re like deeply recharged like for me it's easier in in new york i have a harder time because nature like it did for you it really recharges me and there's something about hawaii that is so healing i literally climb trees and sit with a journal in a tree a journal in trees and people walk under and I'm like and i just for me it's the water there's something i can be going through trauma in my family and i just go to the water and the goddess of water in Hawaii is Namaka Okahai. and so I honor her before I get in. And it just makes me know everything's going to be OK, because there's this, like, I feel held by the water and safe, yet free and liberated and expansive, and that I can fall back, and I'm not going to hurt myself. And I'm held in any way in which I move my body. And there's such wonder, and it reminds me nature reminds me of the wonder and the um, healing that hardship happens in nature, and there's still always growth and rebirth. You know, so I think in, in a lot of energy workers and people in theater, we shame ourselves. if We don't want to go to work. I remember when I got that point, as I was in a Broadway show. I was living the dream, and there was days I didn't want to go to work because it was hard. Eight shows a week is hard. And I didn't have time to live my own life. And that was my life but there's still a me beyond my work. Even when my work is my passion and my soul, there's still a me beyond that, that is the first. Because I can't give to my people I'm teaching, to your clients, I can't give to my partner, I can't give to my family, if I haven't given to me. And the the deepest way, not not in a selfish way, in a way of like healing, because when you do that, the light ripples like you can't stop it because you have to take that time to really care. It's like I think of my heart and and I just want to like give it the safe space.
1: So we have a question that came in from a listener that was not about mediumship. It was, it was for Broadway and they were they were talking about um, a swing on Broadway and or I, or I guess or any show. Um um, whether or not it's it's Broadway or not. But I think more for the Broadway track, they, they asked with a swing, what are the full duties of a swing? Do you also have to run rehearsals? Is that the same thing as dance captain? And they had asked me a question about, from a financial status, are you paid per track that you know, or is it only if you go on?
0: I love this question because dance captain swinging is a really confusing position that not a lot of people understand what we do as our job as well as, monetarily, that's a whole other thing. So I'm totally going to break these down. So as a swing, it is your job to cover the people in the ensemble. So for example, at Wicked, I covered nine different roles um, and I was an understudy. So an understudy is someone who covers a principal character. So I understudied Nessa Rose, which was another person, but I swing all the girls in the ensemble. So that means, and in Frozen, it was 10, ended up being 14 parts and I, that I covered um, and two features, um, which is something I'll get into later. But so when you go on for that person, you do their whole track, which means, cause normally people in the ensemble play many different roles. So I don't give a, a character name cause they normally play so many different people, but you do exactly what they do on stage and off, all their choreography, all of their lines, you sing their vocal line. So if it's a soprano i sing soprano if it's an alto i sing alto if it's a met- it's a second soprano i sing second soprano so it's not just the physical stuff it's also the vocals and so sometimes i would sing a strong sopralto like i would go on singing soprano and realize i was on for an alto and i'd be like oh this is my <laughs> note you know because um, there's a lot and then on top of that off stage you're going to the same areas that they do quick changes doing the quick changes the same way they do them Sometimes you have your own costumes. Sometimes you have costumes that are the same as the people you're on for. Um, in both Wicked and in Frozen, I had my own track of costumes that were mine, that were my, my color of ball gown dress, which is not always the case, which is really special. Um, but if it was a specialty part, I wore my version of the same costume that that person wore. So, um, but you do not teach you're there you're often called in more often because they'll have understudy rehearsals that swings are always at to go over the different roles they play and also help we help new people because you'll be a body when a new person is learning something and they'll always bring the swings in swings get utilized so much which is awesome and also challenging because sometimes they're getting overworked um as a dance captain you're off you're normally a swing and a dance captain if you are a dance captain Because the positions help you do each other better. So as a dance captain, you're an assistant to the director and the choreographer. It's your job to help maintain their vision when they leave day in, day out. So you teach the people who come in all the movement and the choreography and their blocking. And you work hand in hand with the stage manager if they're doing that, or the assistant director who we had an assistant director on site at Frozen that helped us with that. At Wicked, we had the stage manager doing that role. So then, but you're also a swing. So you cover those people. And I feel like I taught them better when I was a dance captain because I performed them. So I could really be like, this is what you're gonna see because I've done it. I know I can really tell you detailed information because I've done it myself. Uh, But I also helped with all the principles. I knew all the lines of the show. I know the blocking of every single character. So I knew the whole show. As a swing, you're only responsible for the roles that you cover. As a dance captain, you're responsible for every part of the show. Every character, every role, every blocking, every choreography, and maintaining that it looks as good as it did day one. Energetically, um, physically, they're in the right spots and the right spacing. You know, sometimes people get a little overzealous and they'll overdance something and then move to the side. And what, we're like their mirror as a dance captain. So that, because you don't know anymore what you look like and you might be blocking, blocked by someone, all these little details. And you can't be on stage every day because then you can't watch the show to give feedback. So we also give notes and give feedback to the people who are doing it every day. As a swing, you're just responsible for the parts you perform. Um, now, as a swing, you get paid a certain amount of bump per week. So there's a, a set salary if you're in the ensemble, if you're in a show that has a, with the union. There's a set salary. Then on top of that, you get a certain amount of week. A week, whether you perform or not. You get a $1.0 is $60, $1.0 $75. Not enough money for the amount of stuff you're doing and the amount of stuff you're rehearsing. So they can rehearse you more if you're an understudy, a swing, or a dance captain. That's within the contract. But you get this set fee whether you're on every single show as a double track, meaning everyone's out sick and not only am I one person, I'm two people at the same time. Yep. And I'm trying to fill in all those holes. Whether you're doing that or you're like sitting in your dressing room playing board games, which we did sometimes, which is very fun. But only do that if you know what you're doing. And um, so you're paid that same fee of a larger sum. As a dance captain, you're paid an even larger sum weekly for teaching, for all those things. So those are set rates, whether you perform or not. As an understudy, you get a smaller set rate every week. But then when you perform, you get one eighth of your salary for going on for that principal role. So that's why they're, they're weekly, like every week they get $15 or whatever to understudy. But then when you perform it, you get a huge bump. Got it. So that's the differences. So it's like as swings, we don't get that bump when we go on, but we also don't we also make a larger chunk whether we're on or not. Yeah. But as an understudy, it's different. And then as a standby, which is like right underneath the principal character, it's different because an understudy is in the ensemble making an ensemble paycheck, then getting that bump. As a standby, you are a principal contract, so you're making principal money and getting a bump when you go on. So that's pretty fierce. As a swing, as any of those roles, swing, understudy, um, standby, you have to be ready at any given moment during the show. Like I had to be ready. I would go on mid show all the time, and I was on the seventh floor at Frozen. All the swings, the standbys were. So we would have to run down eight flights of stairs to the basement to get ready. You know, if we're in the ensemble. Less if you're the. One funny story I'll leave you with is our standby. Her name is Alyssa Fox. She's amazing. She's a very dear friend of mine.
1: Oh my yeah. she's so good.
0: She's so amazing, and just an amazing human. She's a really amazing human. She loves a nap. So she had done the matinee and then Casey came back, so she wasn't in the evening performance. So she took it out under her slot. And we had decorated our, our room. We shared a dressing room. There's four of us. And we got like comfy chairs and all these things, you know. Cause we lived there. If we weren't on, we were in our dressing room. So we really made it a a little safe haven for us. So she was asleep, fully asleep under her chair. Stage manager comes running up. It's almost let it go. They literally like, Casey just called out, you have six minutes to get ready. They woke her up from sleep, ran her downstairs, threw her in the dress and the wig and she was singing Let It Go. Six minutes later, incredible. The audience would never know. No. We did not pause the show. And I mean, thank goodness, she can roll out of bed and sing anyways, but thank goodness she'd already sang that afternoon. Yeah. So it wasn't as shocking to her vocal cords, but I think that's a funny story of um, what's happening off stage that when you're watching a show you have no clue
1: (laughs) and it's such a it's such a smart moment to transition her into that show too because if i'm not mistaken there's like basically the mob is starting to assemble you know the the hunt um from when i saw it in new york and then boom Elsa comes out and i loved it i i enjoyed it i thought it was so i thought frozen was so smartly designed in the sense that like you were never in one locale for too long. So for kids in the theater, I felt like it was so engaging and entertaining because even as adults, like we get bored after a while if we're in the same scene for too long. And I felt like it was like boom, 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 boom. Um, I both, I, I, I both it.
0: frozen and wicked their transitions were art itself. Yes. Like how you that's something as a be, audience member, the beauty is you don't realize it. You're just taken on the journey. Bingo. But when they seamlessly go from one location and then it swirls and you're in a whole new place. It's actually incredibly hard to do seamlessly. And I think both those shows did it really well.
1: And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you had to be stuck as a ghost in a theater for all of eternity and could only watch one musical over and over, what would it be?
0: Ragtime. I, I don't know why, but I'm just going like, i thought when i was in my early 20s and i first moved to new york ragtime was on broadway and i would go and watch it by myself i would get a student ticket and i would just go and the music was so beautiful i don't even remember that much about it right now besides loving the music so much that yeah i loved that show
1: (laughs) one of our guests um michelle ragusa was evelyn nesbitt in the closing cast of She's from Buffalo with me. And I, I remember I was like, like Nana, every night, I, I, I literally told her, I was like, that's how I knew I was gay. I was like, I was like 12 years old, sitting on the swing outside, talking about like him, Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Harry White or whatever, um, you know, the velvet swing. I'm like, that's how I knew. Um,
0: <laughs> that was like my first part. I, I loved Les Mis when I was a little girl and I was Eponine. And me in sixth grade, me and my friends were like, she was cause I was at the new we would fight over Marius. So I was like, I die in his arms. She was like, I get him. I was like, whatever. <laughs> and I would act out a little fall of rain in my bedroom, like dying in Marius' arms by myself. Like, can hardly... <sighs> <laughs> and my would hardly, I have an older brother and he would walk in and go, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing. Like...
1: Show that you've been in, like a character that you can think of or a character that you've played that would benefit most from a medium.
0: Ooh, Nessa Rose.
1: That's what Jenny said. I want to say Jenny said Nessa Rose as well. I mean.
0: She's got some trauma she needs some help with and she needs some guidance and connection.
1: And then I guess final question. Many, many years from now, hundreds of years when when none of us are here, how would you want folks to look back in memory and, and remember Alicia Albright?
0: so funny, I've done this work, I've asked myself this question, but it's been a long time, so it's hard to really think about it. Through her light, she helped make the world a better place. Like it's coming up, I feel like I've always wanted to be someone that helped people to know who they are, to love themselves, to, and I would love to live my life in a way that inspires people to do that, that I wanna be a safe haven for people that they feel safe around me, to open up, inspired to, to do all they can with their precious life. And that, yeah, I would want to be remembered as someone who helped people do that. Whether it's through conversation or teaching or sharing what I love and dancing and dancing underwater, whatever that is that I want to be a vessel of
1: light and healing. I can't wait to just bear hug you. I cannot wait to get to New York. <laughs> bear hug you.
0: I jump, I jump on people. I should warn you. Like That's I fine. jump on and do a full body rest. That's fine. Like, I will activity.
1: I will have my Cairo appointment ready to go for when I get home. I will uh it's I'm ready. So thank you so much for being for being our guest today. This was a this was a real gift and I hope you're well and...
0: I feel like when I'm allowed to be my full self with someone like you, with another light bringer, it's so healing to just speak from our hearts and not put on a mask and not... It's like, for me, it's the most healing to just be like, this is the things I care about and it's so healing. Yeah, so this is a really healing conversation for me and I hope anyone listening For you to know you're enough just as you are there's nothing you need to do you are beautiful and perfect exactly the way you are and you are loved and you are special and you matter and you make a difference in the world just by being who you are
1: i can't thank you enough thank you thank you thank you (laughs) be well and i will talk to you soon Mm. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Hi everyone! I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to learn more about mediumship, please feel free to check out my website www.stagestormmedium.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter or book a reading for yourself. Feel free to check out my Instagram at Stagedoor Medium or subscribe to my YouTube channel by the same name, Stagedoor Medium. Thanks so much, be well, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.